Welcome to The Aesthetic Report, a podcast for skincare professionals who want to grow in their careers by hearing directly from the individuals who have been there, done that, and are paving the future of their industry. Join us for the latest in all things skincare, beauty, wellness, business, and more. From interviews with leading experts to the burning topics on your mind, The Aesthetic Report starts now. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to The Aesthetic Report, a podcast by Dermoscope. I am your host, AIA President and Director of Education, Michelle D'Allard-Brenner, and here with you again for another amazing episode of The Aesthetic Report, which is for all of you guys, all of you skincare professionals who want to learn more about what you're doing, how to make it in the industry, what's happening, all the good, new, hot, exciting things, all the good, great, old things that are out there. And to hear straight from our industry leaders with our super one-on-one interviews about sort of the latest dish on all things professional and skincare. And I am super excited. And I know you hear me say that all the time, but I get excited because each of our episodes are a little different and we really truly have some of the greatest individuals in the industry that have really led us to where we are today. And this episode's guest is no different from that. She is a recognized leader and innovator that has continually spent her career in the professional skincare market, improving everything about it. So many different dynamics and so many exciting things. She is the founder of Jan Marini Skin Research. It is Jan Marini herself. Jan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, Michelle, I really look forward to this. It is a real pleasure, and I'm excited to be able to talk to this audience. Thank you. And I just, you know, I briefly said, but going through things, I mean, my gosh, you have hit almost every facet of this industry as you've grown. And I know I could I could ask you my very first question and turn it over. We could probably talk for 45 minutes, but for our listeners, first of all, that that may not be familiar with your work, tell us about your experience starting such an influential medical grade skincare company. But like Jen, take me to the beginning. How did you end up in the skincare business? Well, <laughs> actually, you know, skincare was always my passion. And this is actually my fourth business. I did not think of this as actually being a business. So I did a lot of lecturing. I lectured at colleges. I lectured to physicians, medical professionals. I was, you know, an expert in ingredients. And then I started doing a lot of radio and television. And it lends itself really well to talk shows. People love to hear about ingredients and what works and what doesn't work. And as time went on, I began to develop associations with physicians and researchers literally all over the world. And this was kind of like in my spare time because I had another whole business that wasn't skincare. But I actually pioneered glycolic acid. And this was back in the early to mid 80s. You know, you couldn't walk into a drugstore or a department store. You couldn't find a glycolic acid product. It didn't exist. Now you could get it for cleaning stains off your driveway. Yeah. And grease out of car engines. And so around 1989, going into 1990, I financed and brought to market two product lines. Going back a lot of years, some of you will remember these, MD formulations, MD Forte, but Michelle, it was unique for a couple of reasons. First of all, I made a decision that I was going to market these products to physicians. That was unheard of. 
physicians did not dispense product out of their office. And I got to tell you, for businesses, that number three, that was the most difficult time I've ever had in a career because physicians were incensed, offended. They would say, you want me to sell cosmetics out of my office? And of course, you know, that's all history now. But the other thing that was really unique about it was that it was the first time that a major pharmaceutical firm had ever purchased a company in the professional space. And that was Allergan in 1994. So MD Formulations, MD Forte was purchased by Allergan. And then July 1st, 1994, I took down the MD Formulation sign and put up the Jamarini Skin Research sign. And that was almost 28 years ago. Wow. So let me ask you this. What made you do that? I mean, there's a big transition. You go in, you build this brand, you get this out there, and then you make a switch. You know, the professional market, as we call it, yeah. is really still in its infancy when you compare it to skincare in general. I mean, how many years has, has there really been a professional market? Yeah. And I really am passionate about bringing new technology to market and being very innovative. So I had a lot of technology on the drawing board and, you know, we have a lot of patents and things that are very, very unique. And then also I really wanted the opportunity to continue to kind of elevate the market in terms of education, in terms of business and partnering and take the market to a different level. And, you know, I think that we have contributed a lot in that respect. Yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, myself having been in the business for over 30 years, you're so right. There was that extensive time period that, you know, first of all, estheticians weren't looked at as a profession and professional, and it was just cosmetics. It was just the blending into the medical field was absolutely unheard of. And, you know, you make a really good point, although you started that so far back, it really is What would you say within the last 10 years that there's really become more of a of a melding of a partnership between the professions? Yeah, I think that's a good point, because you have so many skincare professionals that are working in physician offices or that have taken their business to a level where they have a medical director and they're kind of offering a hybrid of services. So I think you're seeing a lot of that. And, you know, I, I really feel that today in the marketplace. Naturally, I'd like to say, well, I have the best product. Of course, who doesn't tell you that they don't have the best product? But really, when it comes down to it, a lot of times it's who's the best company and who's going to provide the best partnership. Because when whether you're a physician and you have a full staff or whether you are a skincare professional and you're maybe working on your own, it is so challenging to have that responsibility and to deal with all of the issues that come up to say nothing of COVID. And nothing of the fact that it's a very labor intensive business. And if you're not providing services, you're not getting an income. And so those are all circumstances that we work with and that we really do partner in order to provide the tools to professionals, to physicians, skincare professionals, you know, to be able to navigate all of that and be really, really successful. Yeah. That's so very important because you know what, there has never been a time that our industry hasn't continued to grow. And for professionals that are out there, you have to stay ahead of the game. You have to stay ahead of the game. And there's so much competition and there's so much information that if you don't have a solid understanding of things, how do you pick it apart and delve it apart? So having a company and having a support system is enormous, enormous, and obviously leads to the success of what you've done as well. Well, thank you. And it's, it's something that's very important to us. 
Yeah. So, um, Jan, I, I know one of your, the big focuses and topics as well as pigmentation. And, you know, we've seen so many things from fine lines and wrinkles to growing to acne to different skin concerns. But among the, the so many skin concerns that estheticians do treat, why do you think that pigmentation and discoloration affects how we look at our skin as much as it truly does and, and why that's taken such a prominent position over so many other things? Well, I think it's always been prominent, but the fact is from a medical perspective, if you've got skin, if you're a human being, by the age of 35, every single person on the face of the earth is going to have some type of abnormal pigmentation. And they've actually done focus groups where they have shown pictures of individuals that have fine lines and wrinkles and pictures of individuals with pigmentation. And they actually guess the people who have the pigmentation often as being older than those with fine lines and wrinkles. And, you know, even if you don't have areas of contrasting pigment on your face, there's something called background pigment. It's also known medically as atinic bronzing. And it's where, if you look at a picture of someone when they're 20, 30, 40, 50, you don't have that same crisp clarity. You don't have, the, the skin can start to look a little muddy. And you can kind of see it on areas of your body where maybe you haven't had exposure to the sun for a really long time, but they're still darker than the nearby areas. And so that's what we call atinic bronzing. And it affects everyone. And I don't know of anyone that doesn't want even skin tone. And now we can kind of lump in there, although it's a, it's not really a directly associated with sun. We can lump in there post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation from acne. Right. Well, and that's, it's interesting too, because having seen all of the, the skin concerns over the years, pigmentation remains at the top of the list. And even when someone says, I worry about aging skin, pigmentation sits there before fine lines and wrinkles. It has, and it's, it may be because we've come up with such clever ways to take care of the fine lines and wrinkles, but it, it is, it's a huge one. So let me ask you then, in your opinion, how do factors, I mean, we know some of the basics, but genetics ethnicity, medications, and even the, the topical products, how do some of these various different components play a role in the development of discoloration? And I know that I just threw a million topics at you, but you know, what is the influencing factors? So first of all, there's heredity and you, you may have a propensity. You know, there are people that go outside 10 minutes or less and they start to pigment. People who sit in a hot car and they start to pigment. People who work in factories around hot ovens and they pigment from that. So there's heredity and, and how reactive your melanocytes are, those kinds of things. There's also you know hormonal issues, there's birth control, there's pregnancy. And then there can be things that play a role with regard to medication. For example, antibiotics. And how many times when somebody takes tetracycline or doxycycline it says it's going to cause could cause sun sensitivity true sun sensitivity is a chemical reaction with the sun so you could be wearing the best sunscreen in the world and you can still burn to a crisp there's also certain kinds of uh, medical issues for example addison's disease can cause sort of a bronzing of the skin thyroid disease and then there's there's external factors that we might not even think of now here's a couple of them so I can take you back years and years ago when Estee Lauder used to say, you know, the way to wear perfume is you spray it in the air and you walk into it. So now you've got this right even veil. Well, a lot of really expensive perfume has bergamot oil and bergamot oil can be sensitizing with the sun. Mm -hmm. So you end up with this diffuse pigmentation, maybe on your neck and your chest. Another one that people never think about. So you're sitting 
in the summertime out at the pool, and hopefully you are wearing a hat and your sunscreen, but you're drinking a lemon-lime drink, and the bubbles are floating up and hitting you in the face. Lemon-lime is sensitizing. So there are so many things we don't think about. And the thing to keep in mind is that there is no cure for pigmentation. I can't change your genetics, but you can manage it and you've got to manage it every single day. It's interesting too, because you'll often hear, you know, which we always do with our younger patients and clients that, you know, I don't go in the sun. I don't worry about it. And then you've got that time period. And all of a sudden, you know, you've, they hit 45, 50, 55 and say, well, I haven't been in the sun in five, 10 years. And you always love to say, well, what did you do though? 10, 15 years ago or 20 years okay. ago. That's a really interesting point. Okay. So you hear this all the time. Most of the damage you're going to see in your lifetime, you look in the mirror and you start to see discoloration or little fine lines or textural changes. And you say, but this is aging. This is inevitable. Well, 90 to 95% is sun exposure, most of which happened before the age of 10. It takes 10, 20 years to show up. Now, imagine this. Somebody's two years old and they have a pool in the backyard. Mom and dad have got them out of that pool all the time. And they're swimming around and having a great time. And they have lots of sun exposure. Now, fast forward, they're 14 or 15. How many times does a 14 or 15 year old walk into a salon and go, oh, esthetician, look at me. I'm 15 years old and I'm just covered with lines and wrinkles and brown spots. Well, all of that is programmed into your DNA. Your DNA, it's got like an instruction blueprint. It's programmed in there. And at the point where it kind of gets, these instructions become so compromised that you can't repair the same way. This is when you're going to start seeing these changes. And they really kind of start when you go into what's called a catabolic state, maybe around the age of 20, you're sort of fully cooked, but you don't notice it right away, but it's happening internally and externally. And it's, it's, a, it's a slow process. And then of course it kind of cascades a little faster when you get into your, you know, your thirties and forties and beyond. Yeah. That's so even to some extent in the professional skincare realm, in our retail realm of skincare products. I love to see advertisers market products or different ingredients based on somebody's age and say, oh, well, you know what? You're under the age of 25. So this product is best for you. You're, you know, 25 to 40. So this and 40 and over. When Jan, tell me if you agree with me or not. The reality is, is prevention and those anti-aging ingredients and products are really the things that we should be using long before we see any of those. And anti-aging, we've already aged when we're using the (laughs) anti-aging. I I couldn't agree more. And if I'm going to kind of break this into another way of looking at it. So if I talk to, let's say 90% of the individuals I talk to, influencers or celebrities or individuals, and they're under the age of 25, and I asked them, if there was something you could change or improve about your skin, what would it be? 99% of the time, they're going to say acne. Okay. So I don't need another product. I want a solution. So it's a real, it really should be based on solutions. What is it that this person wants to change or improve about their skin? Now, when you talk about prevention, first of all, we want to manage the acne, get them completely clear. But when we talk about prevention, that's sunscreen. And also it is a retinoid because retinoids This is not just me. This is a medical fact, correct instructions coming from your DNA. Nothing in the world does that the way that they can reverse things that have been programmed into your DNA. So statistically, if you were to do a marketing survey, statistically, 
it's right about the age of 25 when a female on her own will probably start to adopt a skincare routine. You know, maybe she goes to the clinic counter and she gets the, you know, the soap and the toner and the moisturizer. (laughs) So really what it is, it's about treating concerns. And then you can also take people forward into more sophisticated programs, but that anti-aging component, that prevention should always be there no matter what. Right. Right. Are there other ingredients aside from sunscreen that you feel are strong anti-aging or preventative ingredients? Oh, goodness. Do you know that the two ingredients in the entire world that have the most medical studies and any other ingredient, when we talk about medical studies, presented at conferences, histological studies, biopsies, are the retinoids and glycolic acid. Oh, really? I was going to throw vitamin C in there, I was going to guess. Well, vitamin C is a great supporting player, sure. but vitamin C isn't going to change instructions coming from your DNA. You've also got sure. azelaic acid, which is terrific. Vitamin C certainly is, you know, one of these components. So there is no one ingredient. Yeah. There's no one ingredient. Right. And this is one of the reasons why I focus on something called layer technology, because you also can't put a lot of the same ingredients in the same product. They're not compatible. Right. You don't have the room right. for them and on and on and on. And, you know, I think there's a huge amount of confusion as well as sometimes products that really aren't efficacious when it comes to discoloration. And this, for the end user, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for the practitioner, but it's frustrating for the end user because the average woman has over $700 in product in her bathroom that she does not use because guess what? It disappointed her. Right, it doesn't work, absolutely. Stay in the know by following Dermascope on Instagram with more memes, giveaways, reposts from influencers and product reviews, then you'll know what to do with. This Instagram account is far more than just pretty photos. Be sure to hit that follow button for the latest in Dermascope news, including upcoming webinars and events, must-see articles and exclusive brand takeovers. Follow us at, at Dermascope on Instagram to get the quality content you have come to expect from the authority of professional skincare. Well, so let's continue on about pigmentation a little bit because redness is often associated with inflammation or even with other types of skin conditions, you know, obviously rosacea. Do you consider it an important part of a conversation about discoloration? No. Now, usually the person might bring it up, the individual might bring it up, but no. Rosacea is the disease of basal motor instability. So your blood vessels are designed to expand and contract, expand and contract. And in rosacea, those blood vessels are compromised. And it also has to do with, it's a disease of reactivity, not sensitivity. So the redness is typically transient. And when the redness is where it's more of a continuous issue, it's because of the dilated capillaries known as telangiectasias. So that has to be addressed in a very different manner than we would with brown discoloration. What's important to understand, and this is where we have to be very realistic, it's important to understand what can be treated topically and what can't. And people love to complicate pigmentation. There's melasma, there's plasma, there's solar litigenies, there's all of these different things. And the fact is, if I was going to distill it down to the simplest level, it would be your body produces more pigment than it can eliminate. Now, beyond that, there are three types of pigment. So one is epidermal. So I could have two places on my face and they could look exactly the same. Put me under a woods lamp. 
And the one that shows up will be epidermal. The one that doesn't is dermal. And then there could be mixed. Could, you could have a combination of both. Now, most is epidermal, but melasma, chalasma, et cetera, it could be either dermal or epidermal. Now, why is this important to know? Because regardless of what methodology you use to address pigment, you have to involve active tyrosinase. That's what makes pigment. If you didn't have it, you'd be an albino. So you've got to involve active tyrosinase. And active tyrosinase is only found in the epidermis. So if you've got dermal pigment, it would be like me saying to you, Michelle, here's this lotion, put it on your tap and we're just gonna remove it. And you'd, you'd go, yeah, right. <laughs> if it were only that easy. So right. when you have dermal pigment, this is when you get into devices. Now, most pigment is epidermal, so you can make a huge difference. If it is all epidermal, you, can, you may be able to resolve it topically. Yeah. So it's, it's really understanding that. And there's a, just a lot of confusion. And then beyond that, what is it that you really have to do? What's really going to work? Yeah. Well, great. So you're leading me into another question. But before I get there, for our listeners that are out there that are asking, all right, they're going to say, Jan, what is the difference then? Like, give me some examples of what causes epidermal pigmentation and what causes dermal pigmentation. It's not necessarily, it could be your genetics. It could be sun exposure. It could be a combination of factors that this is such a complex subject. And, you know, there are scientists and physicians who spent their entire career just studying this. Yeah. You don't know, you don't necessarily know why it may go to a deeper layer or it doesn't go to a deeper layer. It's more or less really where we're at is the ability to be able to determine which is which so that we know realistically how to address it. Okay. So now let's go into, you, you briefly mentioned devices. I would love to hear some of your feedback. Do you recommend any particular types of laser or types of devices to improve and help with clearing up discoloration? Well, you know, I think it depends on the practitioner. It depends on the patient. You know, there are some practitioners, a lot of these devices are not difficult to operate, but it's an art in terms of maybe the nuances or certain nuances of an individual's particular issues with pigmentation. And that could be their genetics. Sometimes people have an interesting combination of both red and brown. And so a, a kind of probably a device that's used a lot that can be very successful is IPL, intense pulse light. Mm. Now that's really not a true laser, although we refer to it as a laser but it is attracted to either red or brown in the skin. So you can actually address two different issues at one time. A lot of this is the art comes into how they filter it, but it doesn't ablate the skin. So there's virtually no downtime. And it's typically you see results over a series of, let's say three to five treatments. Now there are other lasers like the Pico laser. There's other lasers that would take a little bit more skill to operate them and to make certain that the energy is being directed in the right way. But there's just a lot of different devices out there, depending on your skin type, your skin coloration, all of those kinds of issues. Yeah. So do your research, do some research. You know, it's, I think it's important to find a practitioner who specializes in lots of different skin tones. Or for example, I know a derm down in San Diego, who most of her patients are Asian. And so this is something where she has tremendous skill with a particular skin type that sometimes can be a lot more reactive or have certain nuances associated with that skin type. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's such an important point too, because clientele is different in different, whether it's cities, whether, you know, geographically where you are makes a huge difference, a huge difference. And the amount of time you're in the sun or not in the sun where you are. Yes. Jan, so your skincare line has been around since what, 1994? It, yes. Right. Ah, that's awesome. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with the line, I mean, I'm super familiar with it from that time period myself and and still brag about it and love it. But I'd love for you to give me and give our listeners just a great overview of of the skincare line. We got a feel for, you know, why you do what you do, but your pitch on your line, I'd love to hear. And I'd love to share that. Well, first of all, let me just say that everything. I could be talking with a world-famous physician. I could be talking with an A-list celebrity. It always starts off with the skincare management system. That's the core of everything that we do. And it's a, it's a box set. I always say it's a cleanser and a sunscreen with three products in between. And it's designed to address various skin concerns. Now, the question that always comes up would be, well, Jan, how can we all be on the same system but have different concerns? First of all, it's layer technology, but I'll just give you an example with one product, BioClear, glycolic salicylic and azelaic acid. At one product, azelaic acid is sold by prescription for acne, sold by prescription for rosacea. It's one of the best resurfacing agents we've ever seen for the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles and pore size. It also is a pigment lifting agent. Glycolic acid at its simplest level dissolves and dislodges the glue-like substance or cellular cement between cells. So it completely resurfaces the outside of the skin, fine lines, wrinkles, encourages collagen. You could spend two hours talking about that. But because of its small molecular size, it goes into the follicle, dissolves and dislodges a glue-like substance or cellular cement between cells, causes them to lift apart, interrupts the acne process. Then you've got salicylic, which is a nice follow-up, which helps just brighten the skin a little bit, helps with acne, et cetera. So when you put those three together, for home care, I've never seen anything more dramatic for resurfacing the skin and addressing common skin concerns, the appearance of acne, rosacea, discoloration. So it's universally able to address so many different issues. And then the other products are things like transferring growth back to beta one, which Dr. Weedo of Jefferson University determined stimulates the type of collagen you don't produce after the age of 30. Thymus and beta four, which is one of my patents and peptides and just a multitude lipid soluble C dimethylamine ethanol, which is DMAE, which is a causes muscle shortening at the neuromuscular junction. So again, it's a, it's a layer technology that is able to really have a comprehensive transformational effect. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, then there's adjunctive products. We call them accelerators. So there's retinoids or specific things for rosacea, specific things for discoloration, specific things for acne. And again, I always say, I don't want another product. I want a solution. So It's solution-based about what you want to change or improve. And, you know, think about how somebody would feel about their skin if they're able to literally address everything that concerns them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course we have products for dark circles and then there's kind of fluffy products like body scrub and things like that. So, you know, that's the very, very quick version. I love it. And listening to you as you, I, I love how you just rattle off all those ingredients and the benefits, but as you do that, you know, you're, you're looking for a solution, but at the same time, it sounds to me like you've got ingredients in there that are providing solutions, even to things that people aren't yet worried about because you're just focusing on, on really that preventative aspect of skin health simultaneously. Well, yes. And you, you really want to, it's, you know, it's not just 
looking in the mirror and saying, wow, you know, I love how my skin looks. It looks better. It looks younger. But it's also the things that you have programmed into your skin. And one of the things that that I, you know, kind of touched on earlier, you know, nobody ever walks into a doctor's office or a spa and says, we want you to carry our product line. We have the second best product. (laughs) And so it's hard to differentiate. But one of the things that I can say is that we've had five studies that have actually been published in the Journal of Drugs and Dermatology, which is a peer-reviewed medical journal. Now it takes months, it can take years to get accepted sure. in a peer-reviewed medical journal because it has to be of significant importance to the medical community. And you don't typically see skincare products. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. we do, we produce white papers. We have lots of published studies. We have lots of physician endorsement. And I think that's really important because you want the patient to be able to have confidence that there really is some substantial data behind the technology. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just making claims. You've got the the data to prove it at the same time. That's, that's fantastic. You've done, you've honestly, you've done an amazing job over the years and the contributions to the industry have been fantastic. And you just keep going. You just keep going. Like what's next? What is next? Well, actually I do have some really interesting things on the drawing board and um, my CEO and my marketing team, they would just like to put a gag on me because I have, a, I get excited and I have a tendency to let the cat out of the bag, but I can't really talk about it right now. Okay. Well, we'll just wait. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I do, people always ask me, well, where do you get ideas? And I take a fair number of medical publications, probably about 20 to 30 journals a month, but they're not just dermatology or plastic surgery. It's, it could be oncology, it can be diabetes, because a lot of these things come about through various kinds of research that are being done and and maybe things you wouldn't think are related, but they really are. Right, Right. And one of my things that I have a patent on, interferon alpha 2b, which is an immune messenger that they inject from malignant melanoma, hepatitis C, adult leukemia. So you would never think of it, well, how could this be something that would be really beneficial in terms of immune function for skin? Yeah, that's exciting. That's really exciting. Well, I know I can't wait. I'm sure our listeners can't wait. We'll keep an eye out to see what's coming. We'll Um, watch. We'll be watching. We'll be watching. All right. So Jan, as I, I come to the end of my podcast, they love to have me play games. We have a game for you today and it's called, would you rather? So mm-hmm. I give you two options. We've got four different questions, but two options and you have to pick one or the other. So our first is, would you rather give up your daytime or your nighttime skin routine? Daytime. Daytime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why? I mean, I think I know the answer to that, but. So, okay. I've talked about this before, but you know, I'm no different than anyone else. I'm a two-time Accutane failure. Oh. I had severe cystic acne, perfect skin change, severe cystic acne when I started 19 and my skin, never, I never break out. Can't even see my pores. I never, never break out because of what I do every single night. That's when I do my duality, which is a combination of benzoyl peroxide and retinol. That's why I would have to say that I'd have to give up the daytime as much as that would pain me. (laughs) I know. Okay. Would you rather give up hyaluronic acid or vitamin C? Mm, uh, Probably hyaluronic acid. And the reason is because, so first of all, hyaluronic acid is part of what we call glycosaminoglycans, which is hyaluronic acid, mucopolysaccharides, ceramides, and phospholipids. It's a mouthful. 
And those are the substances between our cells that give the skin volume and, and hydration and barrier function and all of that. I can increase those substantially with my glycolic. I can increase those substantially with my retinol. But vitamin C is something your body does not make. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. Okay, so now the next question is really going to kill you. Would you rather give up your retinoids or your glycolic acids? Boy, I have to think about that one. Yeah. Uh, probably, I wouldn't want to give up either, but I would probably have to give up the glycolic acid because the retinoid can correct instructions coming from your DNA. Yeah. That's the one thing that glycolic doesn't do, although glycolic is an absolutely phenomenal ingredient. Yeah. So that's, that was, that's the hardest one. That's that would be the hard. hardest I might have to sneak it in on the side. You have to arrest me. That's right. And last one is, would you rather never mask again or never peel again? Never mask. Never mask. Now, when I, I use a different term for, for so-called peeling, it's yeah. resurfacing. And that's something you do on a daily basis yeah. so that your skin is just constantly, and it's not done with scrubs, but your skin is just constantly really smooth, really reflective. Yeah. Like somebody just ran a Zamboni over it. Oh. <laughs> As somebody said the other day, I, I like that analogy. So I think the resurfacing masking. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Jan, you have been wonderful before we go. Is there anything that we haven't chatted about that you would like to share with our listeners? Anything that I missed? You know, one thing I'd like to leave your yeah. listeners with is, you know, whether you are working for someone or whether you have your own business, we all, in a sense, let's put it this way, no one can do it for you. Yeah. So no one gets you out of bed in the morning. No one deals with canceled appointments or just all of the infinite number of challenges that come along. You never know, no matter how your day starts, how it's going to end. And just all of the things that we deal with on a consistent basis and the disappointments and there's highs and there's lows. No one can do it for you, but you don't have to do it alone. That's awesome. And yeah. that's one of the things that I take pride in that I'm here for yeah. is I don't want to do it alone. Yeah. That is an ideal way to end. And that's perfect. And so very powerful. I can tell you as, as a school owner for 20 years and even seeing uh, our, our graduates that are out there afterwards, as big as our profession is, people often do feel very alone and trying to figure out, you know, what direction to go with their business and with products. And that is, that's a huge statement. So that is fantastic. Kudos to you. You will have followers for that one. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, thank you. And, yeah. and everybody, thank you, because I wouldn't be here without that's awesome. So. That's awesome. Jan, thank you so much for your time. I've so appreciated it. And um, learning and listening has been fantastic. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And I hope I get to come back someday. We'd love that. We'd love that. Thanks. All right. All of our listeners that are out there, thank you so much for all of your time with myself and Jan and the Aesthetic Report. Um, it was great having you here. We look forward to having you next month. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. If you love the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell all your SD besties to give us a listen. And don't forget, the education doesn't stop here. The Aesthetic Report is one of many platforms offered by Dermascope. Visit dermascope.com for more education and industry news 
from the authority on professional skincare. Stay tuned and we'll see you next time for another episode of The Aesthetic Report. 